This episode of Truth's Table is brought to you by Baker Books, a division of Baker Publishing Group, which seeks to build up the body of Christ through books that are relevant, intelligent, and engaging. Visit bakerbooks.com. And The Witness, a Black Christian collective. Sisters, how y'all feel? Brothers, y'all all right? If this is your first time at Truth's Table, welcome to the table. And if you've been sitting at the table with us all these years, we are so grateful that you have been listening to us through these years. And we are inviting you to partner with us and support our work at patreon.com slash truthstable. Now pull up a chair and have a seat at the table with us. Hey y'all, welcome to Truth's Table, midwives of culture for grace and truth. I'm Kimini. And I'm Christina. This table is built by black women and for black women. So welcome to the table, see how you doing, girl? I am doing decent. I'm doing okay. <laughs> how are you doing today? I'm good. Yeah, yes. for the people who are viewing, you are wearing your polka dots. I am. And I have on my blue earrings and my floral. You know, I love a mixed print. Yeah, you know, I like to mix, mix the it pots. up. It's, mix it up. It's my signature. It's mix it up. I do. Today, I'm all about the solids. Yeah, <laughs> and I love that blue skirt. So. Thank you. <laughs> you know, you know, I, you know, I always try to bring back a, a traditional element. I'm, I'm a woman of the 1930s, minus the <laughs> oppression. <laughs> Minus, you know, not being able to vote in this of it all. But right, you know, that whole thing. That little thing. <laughs> the Jim Crowness of it. Yeah. Yeah. Giving all that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I do, but I do like a good tailored skirt. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's lovely. It is thank lovely. you, thank you, thank you. So yeah. y'all know we are still in our Black Brother We Love Ya series. We are. Because we sincerely do. We do. We do. <laughs> The topic on the table today. Come on now. Black brother, we love you. But the podcast got to stop. <laughs> it's, getting out, it's getting out of control. Come on. It's getting Come out on. of control. You know, getting radioactive. So, so one of the things, I don't know if people know this about us, but, but maybe people who actually listen to the things that we say. I'm always tickled when people actually quote us, quote us back. And I'm like, oh, I'm I like, probably oh. should watch what I say because you I'm like, just I said that. Oh, okay. But if you have listened, you, you have heard us probably joke about our relationship with podcasts in general, that we are, <laughs> that we are non-listening podcasters. <laughs> like, we don't listen to podcasts. Now, my husband is a, pod, a bona fide podcast listener. I mean, I think he listens to podcasts almost every day, maybe not Sundays, but almost every day he does. And he'll send me, he'll, he has sent us, you know, like, yeah, y'all yes. need to listen to this, you know, yes. uh, in terms of podcasts. But but I am not, like, that's not my jam. Like, I'm not a person that's like, let me let me listen to this podcast. And and what about you? Yeah, I'm a, let me listen to this song. Yes. <laughs> let me listen to the sermon. I'm all that before I go to, like, a podcast. Now, I do listen to Get in the word with Truth's Table daily. Yeah, um, yeah. But you know, I listen, and I actually in order listen to get in the word. I actually listen as a listener. Indeed. You know, whereas when I listen to Truth's Table, I'm listening to hear. Okay, did we hit this point? Uh, maybe we could. I'm listening differently. You know, um, I'm listening as in a an producer. Editorial way. Yeah, I'm listening. I'm listening as an edit, uh, editor or a producer when I'm listening to to Truth's Table. For sure. Um, and we are we're OGs in the podcasting game, so the irony. And I think it might be a generational thing. I don't know why why we're not big on I'm a big music person though. So any chance I couldn't listen to music, I'm gonna listen to music. Yeah. yeah. Um uh but yeah, we've been in it since 2017, you know, before it really, mm-hmm. you know, uh took off. And so we've been doing this for goodness, we're in our seventh season now. Um, but you know, we have noticed some shifts, even though we're not, <laughs> you know, hardcore. Podcast listeners from what people have said to us and have have We've have, have noted in our in our hearing. Yeah, well, I mean, we, we see it on our timelines. For you sure, you know, so because because of the um, advent of the um, video podcasting, yeah, we see clips mm-hmm. that you know um, come up on our Instagram and or that Twitter, go viral. and that go viral. You mm-hmm. know, on Facebook, and it has been um, you know some have been very disturbing right. <laughs> uh, content. To watch sometimes the way um, that black male podcasters um, deride mm-hmm. and speak um, derogatory and and re- downright misogynistic, you mm-hmm. know, toward uh, black women. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess you know. I guess before we go all the way into that, yeah. and we and will and what, <laughs> and will and do what? What, uh, <laughs> what do you think are the 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 positives? Oh, there are tons, the yeah, tons of positives. Yeah. So, you know, one, I just think that there are so many groups who we need to hear more of their voice. 
Absolutely. So, you know, I'm I am I am down for as many as many as many indigenous women who want to get together and have podcasts, video casts that they want, y'all just go on and talk the talk, you know, because there are yeah. some voices that are really deeply silenced and um and muted out mm-hmm. uh, and suppressed in our culture. And so yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't have a beef with that, you know, talk your talk. Yeah. Um so so as it relates to black men who are podcasters, I I am grateful that there are these spaces and that we do need to hear black black men speaking about black malehood and their own identity instead of people pontificating about it on their behalf. That's and right. I think uh, coming out of the world of psychology, I mean, I have I have long seen kind of a, a field that makes all kinds of statements and generalizations and uh, kind of pathologies about black male identity. And yes. so to whatever extent black men can speak for black men and not necessarily even the whole group but their own story, their, their own, own narrative. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Yes. Like that is great. And I think it's a place for all of us to hear and understand, even, mm-hmm. even if we feel like we have a handle on a, on another group, like, no, no, <laughs> they represent their group. They know their experience. They're an expert on their own experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're on their own experience. And I think we have to respect people telling their own story <laughs> as they see fit. And so I appreciate that. And I also just recognizing uh, some of the social science work around, I mean, uh, this issue of loneliness, the way that it's coming up in, in the social science research, particularly around men in loneliness. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, so I think that it's just important whenever there are spaces where there are men, black men specifically, as we we're talking about, who are in conversation with each other who are sharpening each other, edifying each other, challenging each other. Um, Yeah, presenting their own story back and forth. And and even in their own spaces. I'm not anti-affinity group. I do think there are are a need for different groups of people to come together with folks that they have shared significant identities with. That's why Truth Table exists, in part. Unapologetically so. Uh Unapologetically so. And so... um, yeah, I think I think I think that's I think that's important. I think we are, we're all better when we hear and we listen in and we learn from from black men in, in this example that we're talking about. What are some of the strengths that you see? Uh, well, yeah, I do think the um, you know I guess you know the 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 blessing and the curse you know of the podcast you know industry is that you know there's autonomy. <laughs> mm-hmm. You don't really have nobody checking you, you know, and mm-hmm. so you can get a mic. You know, easily, and yeah. you can you know talk about you know. Um, yeah, there's no fact checking. That's for sure. Yeah, you can work out <laughs> your, your viewpoints, your politics, um, your um, all, all all types of things. Your religious views. Yeah. You know, um, your your economic, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, positions. All types of uh, uh, things that you can work out. You know, mm-hmm. within the podcast industry. So it does. It has democratized thought leadership. It has for you know, for the good and the bad, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, and I think if everybody has uh, free access to doing that, then there's no reason why black men shouldn't either, right? Absolutely. Um, but I also do think that, um, and I do empathize with black men because I don't think that there are enough spaces um, that are strictly for black men, mm-hmm. you know, to talk about mm-hmm. black malehood mm-hmm. uh, and manhood and what that looks like or talk about um to be vulnerable mm-hmm. you know about um their challenges their struggles the loneliness mm-hmm. you know epide- epidemic if people would even them. describe it that way if they would yeah. even describe mm-hmm. it that way mm-hmm. right um maybe even mental health issues there's not mm-hmm. those spaces are not in, in abundance they're yeah. in the ways that they are for black women mm-hmm. now <laughs> right now uh, black women have taken the initiative to create those spaces for mm-hmm. ourselves because nobody else was going to do it for yeah. us. You know, nobody's going to invite us in <laughs> to do it. So we had to build our own table. You know, we've sure. had to build our own spaces in order to, to do those things. But I, I do think that even in um, even in religious spaces, I think mm-hmm. particularly in, in church spaces, I don't know that. You know, they they might not feel because of the demographics, mm-hmm. and which we know that there's a whole systemic backdrop as to why. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the church is mainly occupied about runs about eighty to eighty five percent. You know, um, mm-hmm. women. You know, um, that f- as congregants, mm-hmm. yeah, as congregants, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a whole host of reasons. You know, mm-hmm. why, um, particularly within the black church, systemically, why that's worked out. Um, but I don't even think that in those spaces, in those church spaces where it should be actually a place where mm-hmm. black men can come together and mm-hmm. really, you know, um, air out and be honest about what's going on in their lives. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they even have the liberty 
mm-hmm. you know, um, to do that um, in those spaces. And it, and it, sh- it ought not be like that. Mm-hmm. So I do empathize, actually. Um, and to a degree, I think I, I understand, <laughs> to a degree, why mm-hmm. um, sometimes these podcasts come out the way that they do, mm-hmm. you know, um, with some of that ire, you know, mm-hmm. and that anger. Mm-hmm. Um Mm-hmm. Because they're just unheard. I mean, if you, even if you just think about, well, we have election season coming up. Mm. <sighs> Lord help us. Jeepers. <laughs> Jeepers. I'm like, I still ain't recovered from the last one. Listen, I blame my fellow citizens next. <laughs> exactly. All 30 plus million uh, of them. We blame y'all. Choices. Um, uh, listen, <laughs> choices have consequences. Listen, for your neighbor Generational and for your grandkids and Carry on. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Trigger. Trigger. But yeah, I mean, for real, okay? Trigger. Uh, but yeah, we have an election coming up, right. you know? And so oftentimes, these candidates and these um, um, campaigns, they, they are not geared, you know? And the policies are not geared toward black men. And so, oh, by and large, sure. they are absolutely absent, you sure. know, from any significant, like, campaign and policy, yeah. you know, um, proposals. And I think, and that... That would that's angry. that would be that's upsetting. For sure, <laughs> that is upsetting. And so I think that in some ways, there black men have been forgotten. So I do want to preface, yeah, um, all of this by saying that yeah, I can I see that, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I acknowledge that, and I think we have to acknowledge that if we're going to have a conversation about this, yeah, you know, because I think that animates a lot of what mm-hmm. we we hear, yeah, you know, from well, the black male podcasts. And I was going to say, when, when and not all of them, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and we're and we're mainly talking about the ones the pieces that we have seen that are like, mm, this is a problem. That's crazy. The ones that are toxic, <laughs> misogynistic, yes. that are in the same I'm like, spirit as, you know, the late Kevin Samuels. Yeah. yeah those ones. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's an issue. But, you know, I was going to say that even as we think about those, the necessity and the, the, the need for spaces where black men can come together, even multi-generationally and, and through varied experiences, yeah. be vulnerable to your point and have conversations. You know, we, black women have, have, have carved out those spaces and and I agree with you in the sense of like, yes, because they've had to. But I also would say that their womanhood is not questioned when they do that. And I do think that yes. when black men come together exactly. in vulnerability, notions of, of maleness and manhood are then put on the table and put on trial. That's what I, that's what I meant to bring up when I was talking about church spaces. So I'm glad. Yeah. You and, they just, and they and they Especially just and they need they need every all the humans. <laughs> All, all it is when you know scripture says that it is not good for humans, yeah, Adam, to be, be alone. alone. Like right. we're we are made to be interconnected mm-hmm. and uh, and interdependent, and so. But yet, when men seek that out with friendships that go beyond playing a sport together, and by the way, I'm not knocking that because there there can be real connection through sports yes. and all the things, but um, we we can, we can caricature them. When they seek to have yeah. vulnerable, thoughtful, deep conversation, and and all the many layers of what, what that triggers and means for mean means for people, and I just think we have to be honest about that. And it's not just men um, men critiquing other men, although that happens in kind of the in group bullying. But there are women, <laughs> there are women who caricature and That's critique true. men when they are seeking to demonstrate vulnerability, when they're seeking to dig deeper. That's right. Um, that can even be ridiculed and questioned by men, by women mm-hmm. who have a particular idea of what they think manhood is supposed to be, even amongst women who will consider themselves to be progressive and womanist and, 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 and wanting to dismantle the toxic patriarchy. We can, st- I still oh. have observed um, a particular way in which these internalized uh patriarchy and expectations get mapped on in controlling ways around the black male narrative. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, you're, you're absolutely right. So it's like, you know, let, let the brothers live. Let them live. Mm-hmm. But your life cannot be tied to our death. That's Listen. the issue. And that's the issue. I mean, and, and that's actually not an exaggeration. I mean, we just, I mean, just even last week, a friend sent a clip, you know, of, um, some black male podcasts are literally advocating mm-hmm. for the killing of black women. Like, what? Where? Where? Where is this? Where we are? You know. Um, and I think that's just yeah. And, this, just, and the sense of saying like they're so damaged 
we just we should yeah. start over again. It was very disturbing. And it's like, did you get your talking points from the clan? Like where did, it was very where did you get your talking it's points very, from? Very, very disturbing, mm-hmm. you know, the ways that white supremacy has been internalized mm-hmm. and animated um and truly controlling. <laughs> you know, uh, much of that conversation, mm-hmm. but because the racial analysis is not there, you know, for um for this segment of the podcasting, black podcasting world, you know, I call it a segment, you know, um, because it's not all black male um, podcasters. Uh, you know, I, I, they don't understand the ways that they are being used um, as puppets, right. you know, um, and really doing the work, yeah. you know, of white supremacists. Yeah. You know, like with with enemies, like with friends like this, who, who needs enemies? I mean, it's very, <laughs> it's very rare that we have the humility to, to recognize that uh, how easily we all can be manipulated, mm-hmm. right? And especially if we have long heard that we, are, whether implicitly or explicitly, that we don't have anything to say and that people shouldn't listen to us and, you know, all, all these caricatures, right? That it, I think it's hard for people to reckon with the fact that, hey, um, you, are, you are being a puppet right now for an agenda. That's right. And, and to hear that and to, and to sit with it, you can see how people would end up feeling a, a deep sense of, Shame and frustration. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. And and reject it altogether. But there's no doubt. I mean, the talking points come right out of racist tropes and into the stereotypes, you know, sapphire stereotypes, mammy stereotypes, Jezebel Jezebel stereotypes. These are 100 plus year old uh, marketing caricature Mm -hmm. stereotypes of black women. And then to hear black men espouse them. um, Yeah, it's like. Yeah, it's hurtful. I mean, it is. Oh, for sure. On an emotional level, it's hurtful. And also you can see the really weighty damage that and, will be done. Yeah, and I think the reality is that with with regard to like truth table, I mean, you you yeah, your your spaces, you know, your affinity mm-hmm. spaces cannot be built right. <laughs> on the backs, you know, um of your counterparts. It just cannot, yeah. it's not sustainable. Yeah. For it's not good for your soul. Yeah. <laughs> it ain't good for the soul of the women you're deriding. Um uh, it is not good for the community as a whole, uh, yeah. I think in some ways we are really, you know, um, I think we're past the tipping point. I mean, it's, it's really so, it's so self-destructive and, mm-hmm. um, and radioactive. And that's something that true say we, we never did. I mean, I guess if we At least wanted, we tried not to. We, yeah. I mean, if, if, I guess if we wanted to really build a platform and really oh, we, reach and I, yeah. millions. Well, and, I, was say, I, was, I was saying we would, we would quadruple in, in terms of influence and size if we, if we leaned into into yeah. kind of misandrous um, talking points about black men. Why? My goodness, how we disturbing! Actually, we it, actually do love black men. Well, like, well, why would we and, do that? So that, on one level, on the sociological level, um, in a kinship level, but also on a spiritual level, we have to answer to God for how we talk about people and how we treat people. So it, it does really matter. I want to. I want to dig more into uh, this kind of relational industrial complex after yes. we have a short break. So we'll be right back, y'all. Sisters, there isn't a conference like Joy and Justice. This year, the Joy and Justice Conference is back with its theme, Rise Up and Flourish. See, most conferences are heavily intellectual or heavily inspirational, but the Joy and Justice 23 Conference is the perfect combination of both. It's a space for hope, refreshing, and a place to honor God as you were created to be. At the Rise Up and Flourish Conference, We will tackle the injustices that try to hold Black people down and steal our joy. For two days, we will gather like family, the witness, a Black Christian collective team, and their lineup of dynamic guests will speak to your core concerns. You will encounter dynamic worship, thoughtful presentations, and meaningful conversations that will empower you to experience the joy and justice you seek. The conference will include powerful talks from Danielle Koch, Jamar Tisby, Tyler Burns, Christina Edmondson, and yours truly. Life-giving worship will be led by Chantel Varnado, founder of Kingdom United Collective. We will also celebrate the upcoming release of the BCC's Vice President Ali Henney's new book, I Won't Shut Up, Finding Your Voice When the World Tries to Silence You. We want to see you at the Joy and Justice Conference Rise Up and Flourish 2023 on June 23rd through June 24th, 2023 
in Chicago's South Suburbs. The conference will be held at Lilydale First Baptist Church's Legacy Campus located at 424 Indian Wood Boulevard, Park Forest, Illinois, 60466. Buy your ticket today at riseupandflourish.com. Regular price tickets are $125 and $200 at the door. But Truth Table listeners will receive 25% off of your ticket price when you use the code TRUTHTABLE at checkout. Don't forget, you'll get 25% off when you use the promo code TRUTHTABLE at checkout when you purchase your conference ticket at riseupandflourish.com. Register today and we will see you there. I Won't Shut Up, Finding Your Voice When the World Tries to Silence You by Allie Henney. I Won't Shut Up is a book about being black in a society developed by white men to benefit white men, which means constantly pushing back against systems that were not constructed for your flourishing. You are made to feel that your life doesn't matter, your opinions aren't valid, and your entire existence is too loud. It can feel like the whole world is telling you to shut up. To these forces, Ali Henny is here to say, no, I am a loud black woman and I won't shut up. Ali knows what it's like to navigate racism and racialized sexism. She's not taking it anymore and she's calling you to join her in resisting racism by speaking the truth no matter the cost. If you're tired of feeling silenced, misunderstood, and abused by society, then make sure to pick up your copy of I Won't Shut Up, which releases on June 20th, 2023. And Truth Table listeners can get 40% off plus free standard shipping when you use the promo code AllyTruth, A-L-L-Y-T-R-U-T-H at BakerBookHouse.com. Buy your copy of I Won't Shut Up at BakerBookHouse.com. Use the promo code AllyTruth, A-L-L-Y-T-R-U-T-H to save 40% off of your purchase. This offer is only available from June 1st to July 15th. Make sure you get your copy today. And we're back here at the table talking about Black Brother, we love you. But these podcasts got to (laughs) stop. Well, the podcasts that are tripping for sure. I mean, the ones that, you know, do your your thing, but... the The segment... The Some of it's, of it's a problem. Blackmail podcast. <laughs> that, that's got to stop. It's got to stop. We got to get down to the root of it. Come on now. <sighs> so, yeah. So, <laughs> so let's talk about the black relationship industrial complex. Yeah, yeah. And it is complex. <laughs> well, there's, there's, there's big money in insecurity and in suffering, mm-hmm. especially if you don't have an answer to it. And so I just think the macro issues are, are huge as yes. to why the the dating layout is the way it is, why the marital rates so are the way it. they are. Mass incarceration, the yeah. school to prison pipeline, right? Yep. Um Vietnam War and trauma. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um obviously police brutality, which mm-hmm. is killing us. Mm-hmm. Um, um state state sanctioned yep. violence. Um I'm trying to think what else is mistreatment of the poor and mm-hmm. government's lack of resourcing. Well yeah resourcing of yep, familial exactly. poverty dynamics. Yeah. The racial wealth mm-hmm. gap. Yeah. Right. So it's making it feel like as if it's so many things. Uh, no repertory, no repertory justice. Yeah. Which yep. There is no justice unless it's repertory. But carry uh, that's, on. Yeah. Until we have reparations, <laughs> you know. So, yeah. So, it's, so, the money, so the money is not quite where it ought to be. So people feel like they cannot get yeah. started. Right. And they feel and, and a lot of people say, oh, I can't get married. I don't have the money. Well, just about right? every group in the states, we see that when there is an economic downturn, we get an increase in divorce. This happened during the, mm-hmm. the housing mm-hmm. crisis, mm-hmm. you know, a decade or so ago. Uh, we saw an uptick in divorce rates across the country, but specifically as it related to white middle-class marriages, we saw an uptick in divorce. And mm-hmm. that is because uh, economics and the sense of financial stability is critical culturally to a whole host of American marriages. And so yes. many, it is more likely for men to leave their families when they are unemployed or underemployed, especially if they are living out kind of a very real burden and caricature of a provider, right? And there are lots of ways to provide, and I'm and I am pro providing because we got to eat. People need to <laughs> people yes. need to provide to the, as sure. best you can. We yeah. all need to be providing to our families. But I do think, um, yeah, we see the devastation of that when there is a, a social macro issue outside of our control, and the way that 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 impairs 
and shapes uh, marriages, mm-hmm. makes them quite fragile. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It does. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So at least now, now we've named it. Yeah, and other, there are other things, things too, and not, not to mention things. people's individual issues. Yes, Mac- micro issues all, are always on the we table. We all need therapy. <laughs> we have our individual stuff yeah. in the midst of dancing with the macro stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think if we don't we don't name that, then we'll mm-hmm. continue to be at each other's neck, which is the whole goal mm-hmm. of uh, the whole white supremacist order and right. ideology. And so. In the black um, relationship industrial complex, <laughs> this industry, I think we find a whole host of people trying to work out a lot of their own, you know, their yeah. own baggage and their own issues, which as human beings, th- that is what we do. But there are ways in which mm-hmm. um, this these things are being worked out um, in ways that are really detrimental, Yeah, you know, to the livelihood, the mm-hmm. personhood, you know, um, of each other. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I don't want to act as if it, you know, we're focusing right on the, mm-hmm. the segment of black male podcasting that's toxic and misogynistic yes. and radioactive. Yes. You know, but within, you know, on a broader conversation, the black relationship industrial complex right. can be toxic, you know, um, and, by, and that toxicity can be bidirectional, mm-hmm. right? Because you got people that are kind of, mm-hmm. you know, self-certifying themselves, <laughs> As marriage counselors, Listen. as relationship Listen. gurus, yeah. you know, as and I'm like, well, wait a minute. And yeah. now I'm not the type of person that'd be like, because you're single, you cannot um, have wisdom or insider discernment yeah. into or advise a married right. person or I, I'm not, I don't actually believe that. But I do believe that if you're single and, and you got a whole ministry yeah. that's centered around marriage and what it takes to sustain a marriage and build a marriage. You've never been married. That I think is a problem. At, at least it's a, at least it's a question that you ought to be prepared to answer. Right. So as a, when yeah. I was first counseling many moons ago, um, I remember, so my training was marriage and family therapy. So that means, you know, I would work with people and their kids and it was not unreasonable for them to ask me a question about, do I have children? One, I, one, I was numerically younger than, I mean, right. I, and I looked young. And so, um, and, and while I think I could have been defensive and been like, but I have my training. I mean, I did not have the experience, the experience. of what it means to have a kid get up in the middle of the night over and over and over again, knocking on your door because <laughs> of 101 different reasons. <laughs> and so uh, it doesn't mean that I can't, I can't uh foster empathy on that topic but it was okay they weren't trying to shame me by saying well well, do you have do you have children and even if I did have children now and I do have kids it doesn't mean I have children like their children I mean there's always nuances to this but but if somebody is bread and butter is on a particular topic that they themselves have not lived and are not living now then they ought to at least in humility be prepared to answer the question that's right like you just can't just pish posh it away like you want (laughs) you want to be able to answer the question, and even as we're having this conversation today, is when you know our, we, we talked about how, um, in doing a series about you know black brother, we love you. We we recognize that we have thoughts, but we're not in that group. We are not black men. Yeah, and so yeah. that has to be named out loud. It has to be named with humility and honor. Um, and we have we we have, there are things that we can say, but we do have a uh, limitation on authority can, yeah, exactly. when you are not a member the of the group. <laughs> and that it is okay. Be, yeah. Say it out loud. Yeah. That is all right. That is all right. But yeah, I just I just think that, yeah, I think you, come on now. I, th- I, I think that you have to be able to own where you are, you know, and what your social location, it does matter. If you're going to be heading, I think there's a difference between, you know, giving, you know, one-off advice yeah. or counsel, hearing a friend and be like, well, have you tried this? Or maybe you're wrong here on this, mm-hmm. you know, as a single person speaking into somebody who's married, right? I think you can, I think you yeah. can do that. You can speak because God has spoken. Yeah. But to have a whole, <laughs> I think it's categorically different to have a whole ministry, a whole podcast, a whole thing, you mm-hmm. know, where you're counseling, you know, married couples and, and whatnot, but you yourself have never you know, been married. I think it's something different if you have actually been married mm-hmm. and, you know, yeah. even if you're, you're divorced, or, right? Or, I mean, and if you don't have necessarily even the, the, the training, I mean, like, and the counselors, training. You counselors to have the training. train. <laughs> they you train. need to have the training. And, and they have to, and, and again, it doesn't mean that all counselors are the same, it doesn't mean that all training is equal, but typically speaking, 
there is a there's a governing body that provides some degree of accountability. Mm-hmm. I think ultimately that's the that's the that's the the uh, sticking point mm-hmm. is who are we accountable to as we give out our thoughts, our Account- advice, yeah. our recommendations. And so, I mean, that's a question for any, for any and everybody. I mean, the reason why you go to a a licensed or certified um, clinician or practitioner is is one because they're supposed to have the knowledge on the front end and have had the experience. But also, if something goes awry, there is a licensing body yes. in which to hold, hold them, them accountable. accountable. It's one of yes. the issues we have in the church because oftentimes in churches there are no licensing bodies in which to hold uh, pastoral yes. uh, problems accountable. Yeah, pas- yeah. Mm-hmm. When when they err, yeah, yeah, or when they when they do harm, yep. you know. Yeah, who do you go to? There's no grievance process. Who checks the pastor, right? So Nothing. Yeah, what do you do? Um, you know, I think um, another aspect of the uh, Black relationship industrial mm-hmm. complex is some, the predatorial nature of it. Mm. I think what I notice is that on Instagram, you'll see like a lot of these memes, 10 ways mm-hmm. to know if the man is really in love with you. Mm-hmm. Five ways to know if the woman is really down for you. You know, <laughs> and it's just like all of this, you know, just these... These but it's, very, it's appealing. It, it is. Mm-hmm. It is because it deals with, you know, because we're human beings, right? Yeah. And, and love is a core. <laughs> First of all, it's a, it's, it's a gift from God. It is a reflection mm-hmm. of the image of God, mm-hmm. you know, within us, our ability to love and to right. receive love. That's right. right. It's an image, a direct reflection of the image of God within us, God's imprint, mm-hmm. you know, on us, if you will. Um, and so mm-hmm. that is a very, very deep core longing and desire for Every human being, I feel pretty good about saying that. I think I'm on solid ground to say that, which is why Mm -hmm. relationships, even even on our show, Mm -hmm. our most popular and most requested, you know, topics are relationships, singleness, marriage, you know, anything relation. And we, and we move into that with some degree of hesitation. All the time. We do. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we, we could, we could, we could jam on that. We could be like, oh, let's, let's just ride out the next 15 episodes, uh, talking about these dynamics. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we could, but we don't do that. <laughs> and, so, no. and so we are anti-influencer influencers. We're like, I know. I'm not talking about. But oh, we believe please. in boundaries. Yeah. I, believe, I believe in boundaries. Sorry, no. I'm not, Fact. I'm not letting y'all into the inner, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, inner, inner core of my dating life. It's yeah. not happening, ever. And, so, well, yeah, and, and, and we don't have a right to access that of other people Yeah, or Christina's We're not doing that. No. This is not, not a reality. No. And so... <laughs> <laughs> Go watch Real Housewives. Yeah, my kids haven't to. signed on for that. But but yeah, the, the predatory nature, you know, of that. So the, and it's so legalistic, mm-hmm. so legal. These five ways, but we're so complicated. Mm-hmm. As or five beings. things you must do in order to five things you must do in order ten to things get a man you know, to take interest in you. How you mm-hmm. know, you know, he's really in love with you. And I'm just like, come on, we are yeah. um, we are embodied souls. You know, mm-hmm. we are complicated, beautifully complicated. Um, people, you know, and so are they, you know, it's just, it's so problematic. It just is so problematic because when it comes to like dating and relationships, oh my goodness, that, that's, it'd be complicated stories. Even when, (laughs) even if, even when it's the right person for you and you're in the will of God, it gets ghetto. Remember when, um, (laughs) there was this funny, this is a little bit of a a rabbit trail, but there was this funny (laughs) Facebook post I saw like two months ago and I cackled to no end. Of course. And it was, I can't remember who wrote it, um, but it was like, you know, following God or trusting God gets ghetto, but I'm going to stick beside it. I'm a, I'm a do, it do get ghetto. You be like, what is happening with my life right now? And I think that happens in relationships. It gets ghetto. I would imagine, I'm not married, but I imagine marriage gets ghetto sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It's like, what's, what's happening? Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't mean that God's not in it, right? Sometimes things are just not a straight shot all the time. Yeah. And so I think that this is why discernment, prayer, uh, wisdom from the community is important. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that the relationship people... Mm-hmm. They ain't trying to press that. Yeah. <laughs> They're trying to tell you, I want them likes. I want them endorsements. So follow these five legalistic rules I made up, <laughs> you know, that I can't even follow, that 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 I did not use to get my boo, by the way. <laughs> and you're going to get your man or you're going to get your bow ass or you're going to get your girl. You know what I mean? Like, I just think it's just really... It just, it kills, because I see the hundreds of thousands of likes, and I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> and it's dangerous. I, well, I think it think- also speaks to a longing, and, and this is a good, this is a good thing, communally speaking, but 
it ha- again, it has to be checked. A longing for folk wisdom, folk wisdom. Mm, okay. So not. What do you mean by that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, I mean, we have like you know evidence based practices. We have uh, information that comes from empirical, you know, peer reviewed studies. But mm-hmm. then there's also just straight up folk wisdom. It's it's what your what your aunties tell you. That's what it's yeah. What your that uncles speaks tell to you. what we're it's missing. What, the intergenerational. Yeah. And I do think connection. some of that that I see out and about in the internet streets. I I think some of it is is this whole for folk wisdom. It is yeah. it is the you know the older cousin or the auntie or someone Grandma, who kind of hips you to like let me tell you how to get a date or let me tell you how to X Y Z or whatever That's it might right. be. And I think there's I think there's a place for it. When it's actually someone who's in your life, <laughs> and I'm and I'm not knocking the people. I mean, I, I yes. get why. I mean, I get why people put out that kind of stuff, like the the five keys or the seven keys or the three keys. You know, like all these numbers. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, because there's a market for it, and because I think they're trying to offer offer the folk wisdom and commercialize it. Hmm. My only concern is is that if you present it in a way that is a a, a guarantee. And it does not work out knowing that there are a whole host of macro factors. Then you leave people feeling like they did not, like they did not have enough of whatever to make this come to pass. And then we get into blaming people. Mm -hmm. And so I'm particularly sensitive, I think, to, to blaming, especially blaming black women for the state of America's relational dynamics, uh, the state of marriage, when there are these huge macro Macro factors. And, uh, and then people end up, you know, walking away feeling like, okay, there's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a similar dynamic. If you think about uh, uh, church traditions that are very much like, well, if you have enough faith, right? Yeah, exactly. And they'll, ta- they'll take a text that talks about faith in the things that God has promised, not faith in whatever you want, but faith in what God has <laughs> promised. They'll take that text and say, well, you should be able to speak to that mountain they'll and that mountain will be moved. That's right. right. That's right. Well, I, that mountain will be moved if it is in the will of God, God and to it's move tied it. to God's promise. <laughs> to move it, right. right. I can't just say like I can I can speak a million dollars to to show up right here on we're this not table. God. We don't it's create just, reality. Yeah, our, yeah, our words do not create reality. They don't. Highly our words do have consequences though, but I our know. words do actually yes, not create there, reality. Yes, there's only one God. that spoke the cosmos into existence, yeah. and so I, I, I think, know that's controversial. Save your letters. Yeah, I'm mean, not going. Sure. You're not going to tell me that we create our words create well, reality. They well, don't. and here's the thing. Here's the here's now the, we could begin to live into negative narratives of our lives. We do live within live yeah. within the narratives that we speak to ourselves. Sure, but the damage but, the damage that gets done, and I think we all know this that who people have been part of ministries that were told you didn't have enough faith because if you had enough faith, they wouldn't have died, or you would be married by now, or this person wouldn't be a, wouldn't, have wouldn't sick. be sick or whatever. And it is or you would is, be broke. It's <laughs> unbiblical and it's cruel. It's cruel, yeah. And I think the same dynamic can happen if you create this system based on folk wisdom or whatever you're remixing and you hand it to people and you're not acknowledging the macro conditions at, at play and the fact that we just sometimes don't, we don't have control over all the things. And so that's where I think the Listen, the relational industrial complex can get very unloving <laughs> and unkind. And and yet I still would say there there is a need for folk wisdom. Mm-hmm. But I just think we have to be incredibly responsible, which is why I don't just I, I I don't just give out random advice. No, yeah, because there's a thing <laughs> as you need the communal, you need the care, you know, of um, of the community, right? There's wisdom in the mm-hmm. multitude of counselors, um, but that you know that there's a, an assumption behind that scripture <laughs> that we're not. This predates Instagram. <laughs> this predates, you know, yeah. the social media, you know, industry. This predates, you know, right. this, this is a time where people are living communally among one another, yeah. right? And so I think that that's important. I think it also speaks to a void that mm-hmm. people have, um, a spiritual void, and mm-hmm. that, um, and that where the church should be, you know, um, a place for these types of answers and this type yeah. of dialogue to be. Um, taking place that's oftentimes not the case yeah. for them or it's not they don't they don't feel you know it's um available you know to them in the ways that mm-hmm. um they would like for it to be because when i think about folk wisdom and all that that i i do think about the church in my own relationship you mm-hmm. know to the church and i i know i came up in a different time mm-hmm. you know <laughs> as a christian and i i, I have a mentor mm-hmm. i've had one and i know that's that unfortunately is not something that's um common 
Yeah. You know, I think for a lot of we, believers. We have to be discipled. I mean, I don't. I, it should be. I mean, this is a, it's a it's, thing. It's a thing. That's what we're, <laughs> we're supposed to make disciples and we're supposed to be discipled. Disciple. You know, and so it's, yes. so I, I, it's unfortunate. It should not be a privilege. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but it is like these, you know, that a lot, I know a lot of people that don't have, you know, that don't have, that are strong and solid in the Lord, but for some reason never had you know, somebody to disciple them, but that's where you get that full wisdom mm -hmm. from. That's, that's, I think the one that's the most easily accessible, say, if, especially if mm -hmm. you're, if you don't have a family, you know, the yeah. history or dynamic where you can tap into that. I think that's typically what it is. So I think it speaks also to, also to that void, mm -hmm. you know, of where the church ought to be, Yeah. you know, um, yeah. in this world, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. in this whole little yeah. relationship, you know. Yeah. Um, and, sh and shout out to churches and ministries that are attempting to do that in ways that are not exploitive. Yes. That are not gimmicky, yes. but are substantive mm -hmm. and kind, you know, and, and, and thoughtful because there are some. Oh, sure. But I yeah. think, I think in fairness, there, it requires a particular type of resource to pull that yes. off with credibility. Yes. And so, but, but there is a need for it. And if the church doesn't, doesn't figure it out in their own way, mm -hmm. then we end up with a dynamic where people, um, People are seeking out wherever they can find answers. Wherever they can find it. And that is why there is, this is a huge industry. The whole topic, think, of our, our whole entire topic, that's why it, it is where it is. So then that gets us into, because, uh, yeah, people are going to, if they need it, they're going to seek it out wherever they can, right? Mm -hmm. So they're filling a void, you know, right. to some degree. But then I also think about therapy mm -hmm. and the inaccessibility of therapy For because sure. of uh, money. how expensive it is. <laughs> how expensive stigma, it is. but I think money is actually even but bigger I think it's than actually, stigma now. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I think it's the money more than the stigma now, although I'm not saying stigma is not a, it's a non-factor. I'm not saying that, but money, I mm -hmm. think is the, the huge barrier for most people now. Mm -hmm. And so I think that people are looking, <laughs> you know, for, for counselors and therapists, it, the, the best way that they can get it, mm -hmm. you know? And so I wonder, see, if you could talk about, um, as a former trauma therapist that you are. <laughs> That's the reason why see. I'm former. Oh. <laughs> Carry on. Because the stories. My health lot. is my wealth. Listen, <laughs> trauma, it's no joke. It's no joke. Um, you know, what would you say is like animates a lot of the the misogynoir, the mm. toxicity oh. um, that we experience? I mean, it's just the vitriol that we right. hear from this segment within the black male podcasting world. Yeah. You know, we're talking yeah. about specifically the toxic and misogynistic ones. Yes. Not all of them, but just this segment. Yeah. What do you sure. think is animating that for as your experience from a as a former trauma therapist? Yeah. So what is what is animating the hostility, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. so Toward you, black women. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I mean hostility, hostility in general is typically a um a reflection of a fear. Mm -hmm. Just across the across the board, whether we were talking about the the vitriol that we are that's coming our way that we're, that we're seeing in these yes, clips. Right. right? Um, but I think, so I think we have to be honest again about additional macro dynamics, right? So what does it mean to be considered one of the only male groups that within the, your cultural context, um, you have been limited socially and economically and physically through bondage from protecting the women in your group and relationally, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, these are just, mm -hmm. the, these are just the facts mm -hmm. of, of what it, what it was and is. <laughs> yeah. And so there, people respond to that in different ways. Some people respond to that by vilifying victims that they cannot protect. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is a real thing mm -hmm. that people do. Mm -hmm. um, it's, some people uh, respond to it by kind of maybe um, a hypervigilant or a, um, yeah, reactionary mm -hmm. way of, of protecting. Mm -hmm. So we, we, you know, we didn't talk about this on the, uh, on our recorded podcast that we did in the, in the Facebook black women's discipleship group. We actually talked about, you know, the infamous slap, you know, we talked and, and we, and we chose to talk about it in that space and not on the larger podcast for a variety of reasons. You mean the Will Smith, the Will and, Smith and, Oscar, and, and Chris, Chris Rock. Rock. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. But I would say that the way that people responded to that was an indication of uh, their desire and longing for expressions of protection any way they could get it. Mm -hmm. And I and also that maybe and I and this will be I'm sure people will have feelings about this, but also the limitations in which we can imagine 
what protection look like, look like yeah. and defense and care can look like. But nevertheless, the longing for it, which is a good longing, but we have to have kind of a holy imagination mm -hmm. <laughs> for all the ways that, that this could look. You sure. know? And so I just think we have to be honest about that, that, that these are some of the unique burdens that that population experiences. Um, I also think that uh, we are going to have to have some serious conversations about uh, family and yes. child rearing yes. and the, the shaping of black men, the mm -hmm. freedom and cultivation of black boys. Um, you know, pe people often, you know, there's kind of, I can't remember who, who coined it, but at this point it's almost like, uh, you know, just colloquial uh, it, it, within the black community about uh, women raising their daughters and loving their sons. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and I think there's a unfair critique that's often placed on black mothers. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do think there is something to be, to be said about some distinctions in socialization processes for black men and black women, That's right. which I, I, I then will necessarily be worked out in intimate partner relationship. Like mm -hmm. how we, how we were raised as kids, our experiences with our parents absolutely work Shapes. themselves out and the relationships that we form and the ones that we avoid forming as we become adults. It's just kind of yeah. a thing. Yeah. And I think we, we're going to have to have some serious family meetings about that. So like, well, yeah, family meetings in order. We call for them every season. We do. <laughs> At this point, every episode, every carry episode. on. We need a family <laughs> intervention. <laughs> Truth table is about interventions, y'all. So Truth table is an intervention. This is true. Carry no, on. We need a vacation. <laughs> We're tired of intervening. Okay. <laughs> Send us. Thank you. Please. Um, so what would you say, just on this tip, and then I want us to get into some, like, practical things that we can, you know, help mm -hmm. to kind of stop mm -hmm. these, you know, have uh, help these brothers course correct. Yeah. Because yeah. you, you can change. You can. Oh, We're sure. nobody's beyond redemption. You know, so I, sure. I want, we will get to that. But yeah. I also want to know, um, you know, talking about fi family dynamics, um, the mother wounds, mothers and sons, that dynamic. There's mm -hmm. oftentimes, not always, but I've I've seen in these dating streets, but I've uh, seen like when there's a wound, when there's a, yeah. when there's a mama wound. Yeah. This this thing can kind of, it does start to begin to impact relationships. You know, oh, for or sure. Or the forming or the misforming or non-forming of relationships. Yeah. All the things. Uh, what, what are some of those... Um, what does that look like sometimes, you know, mm. some, um, what are some, maybe some typical, let me say, you know, uh, mother and son mm -hmm. wounds, wounds that kind of maybe show up mm -hmm. maybe within our community when people have, you know, yeah. those types of I mean, I think issues. I was, I think I would probably be inclined to speak more broadly. Bro okay, broadly. Sure. Just, uh, just because I think in general, our, our relationships with our family of origin show up in ways in which we. Um, it's hard to name. Find ourselves too. in patterns, uh, seeking implicitly an attempt to repair. Mm -hmm. um, it can also cause us to project or assume that other people are going to be. This is implicit, usually on an unconscious level, are going to be like the that parent That's in right. our lives, the good and the bad of that. I mean, you have some people who, and then there's some people who really don't know the difference between. Uh, <laughs> They they only know woman as mother. They only know oh, woman right, as mother, right. and 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 so their idea of women, even in dating, is somebody who is going to take care of them in a certain way, mm -hmm. like their mom, like their or, or like or like their mom or didn't, not. or like their like mom their did mom. not exactly, or neglect or whatever, <laughs> yeah, or whatever, was. yeah, whatever it was, right. right? And so and this and this would be this is you know somebody could listen to this and we could raise the same critique and and, and observation in as direction. it relates in the other direction sure. as well. We're just yeah, mm -hmm. um, and I just. I just think that we have to do our own individual work. We have to be very serious about that before handing it off to other people. Now, when we are harmed in relationship, it is usually that we're repaired in relationship, not typically the same relationship and maybe not even the same generation, right? Mm. So you can have, you can have a, a think about a, a, grand, oh, okay. a grandparent who was, someone who is now a grandparent who was harmed uh, as a child and it is in the relationship with their the grandchild in this, okay. yeah, in this, mm -hmm. in this moment that they find a sense of healing, yeah. right? And mm -hmm. so there is a, there is a way in which we can kind of have this uh, cross-generational healing that Amen. can take place. But usually what has to happen is that the, the, the relationship 
um, the performance of, of, of relationship has to kind of open itself up again so mm-hmm. that we have an opportunity to notice, to see, and to repair what went, what went awry yeah. in a new way now. Yeah. Now, all of that that I just described would require um, us having the emotional maturity to be ready to be ready yeah. to do that. Yes. <laughs> uh, we have to have an imagination of who we are apart from our pain, our trauma, our experience. We have to be able to name it for that. Most people, a lot of people have had experiences that they don't even call traumatic. Sure. Mm-hmm. They don't realize that the way in which it imprinted yes. a type of hurt um, or a, a way of seeing themselves and seeing others that has had significant mm-hmm. consequences. Mm-hmm. So, we sometimes see people, we see each other at different stages in our journey, and then we kind of get frustrated and angry. Um, but the person has, has not gotten to a place yet to have the insight to know, yeah. like, okay, I, this is what's happening. I'm repeating this, or I'm projecting this onto this this individual, and now I'm going to do something different. I'll, I'll say this short story because I think it's, it's relevant. Mm-hmm. We were a good friend of mine. We're, we're around the same age. We've both been married to our spouses for, you know, a couple decades. And so we were uh, a, a young woman who is uh, much younger than us. I, I would probably put her somewhere in her 20s. Um, was was joking about how, you know, she, you know, how these single streets are bad, which, amen. And how and she... And are. And are. <laughs> and, are. and how, you know, how, how she's, you know, looking for a certain type of, you yeah. know, man, certain type of husband, you know, candidate. And she jokingly began to talk about... Um, my husband and my friend's husband kind of like, well, look at, look at such and such. Like they're like, they're really nice. And they're, you know, these look like men who would go to counseling and they're respectable or respectful or whatever. And my, my good friend and I, who, who were peers, we started to laugh. We were like, this is not how these this people were when we met started. them. <laughs> this is not who they were. In and their... that's why she said that they were terrible when yeah. you started. I'm like, this is not who these people were in their mid-20s. We're talking about people that are in their mid-40s now. And, and I'm not saying that just because you're older that you're wiser necessarily. Y'all grown together too. Yes. And, and, and I think there's a sense in which relationally we are thinking about what is it that we can grow together in That's right. instead of this expectation of a finished product That's right. right now. That's right. Um, we're, none of us are finished products. None of none us are of finished us. products. And so we have to think about what, you know, giving people enough space Grace to, to grow. grow. And this expectation, I mean, I'm a, obviously I'm pro therapy. I'm a psychologist. Yay. But even <laughs> when I talk to women who are single sometimes and they're like, yeah, I need somebody, I need a man who goes to therapy. I think to myself, well, that's going to be a limited pool. Now with that being said, it's a good thing. And I want people who, who need to go to therapy to go to therapy. But if that becomes one of your, if that's your on standards. the checklist, it's almost like, you know, I want someone who's six two. Well, most men on the planet aren't six two. So your list again, now we're, now we're, <laughs> now we're getting into the, now it's getting impossible in the street. So, so six, two and goes to therapy. My God, who is this? Who is and black? This, there's, this is a lot. This is a lot. There's we're four of them. Life. There are four, <laughs> but it is about growing together. It's about and that's, growing that together. That has to be one of the criteria is having the grace to grow together. I mean, that's, that's something I'm always looking and for. And knowing like, that we can need we grow to together? grow. Can we grow yes. together? Can we learn from one another? Knowing that we need to grow. Yeah. That's, I yeah. mean, if I had to give one of these random, you know, the, seven points of dating advice to, to, to black women, I would say, you want to find someone who has enough humble? humility to humility. know that they need to grow and that you're not responsible at you, the woman, growth. at the end of the day, you're not responsible for their healing. You're not Holy Ghost Junior. And you are not. And vice versa. A, They're yeah, not responsible a, for your healing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, now they are responsible not to hurt you and cause yeah. you more harm. Do you but want they to are be not well? responsible you. for your yeah. healing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's really good. That is really great. So then why don't we talk about um uh some I mean some of y'all might be mad at us, you know, to be but I think I think that was that was some good stuff right there, y'all. Well so what they have can, options. let's talk about like <laughs> what can people practically do to begin to unlearn this toxicity, unlearn this misogyny, um, do the inner healing work that needs to be yeah. done with yeah. God and with a therapist when yeah. you have the means, when you have the means. There's some things that you can do um, before, you know, you even go to therapy. Yeah. One thing that has been really helpful for me um, on my healing journey is journaling. I have journals. Yes. journals and you know I journal yeah yeah I've been journaling since I um, came to faith many many moons ago mm-hmm. at this point <laughs> so I have journals yeah. and journals and journals and that's just something that I have found yeah you know um to be helpful um so they're kind of they're really prayers to God but I'm really just but I'm also just talking about like oh what's going on why why is it so ghetto right now? <laughs> I know why what's going on with my- 10 whole journeys of why oh lord why <laughs> exactly 
exactly. So journaling, <laughs> journaling is is huge, you know, yeah. uh, for me. Any other, what, what do you well, have? Well, and I would say for advice? folks who aren't writers, you can also do an, you know, an audible, an auditory okay. journal, right? You could just record your, your voice. Phone? Yeah, working, you know, mm-hmm. sh- sharing your thoughts and your feelings. Uh, mindfulness and meditation is definitely free. Okay. Now, what does that look like? Just so yeah. that people can have a mindfulness meditation. What I mean, people typically, like? people who mean? are mindfulness practitioners, I mean, they typically describe it as uh, being attentive to the present moment in a non-judgmental way. And there are so many things that we do through the course of the day that we are flooded with so many other things at the same time, like even brushing our teeth. That You could take a few a, a few minutes to mindfully brush your teeth. And what that would mean is that you only thought about brushing, brushing your teeth, teeth as okay. you brush them. Now, people are like, huh? Like, yes, we, it's very rare that we actually do that. We, I'm, That's true. I'm, I'm either zoned so out, I'm thinking about so many other things, but what it would mean to actually really attend to what is happening in that moment. And I think of it as a way of giving my brain a bit of a gift because I'm such a busy person. So to just actually be able to go for a walk and just notice what it sounds like when the wind is, is, is ruffling the leaves. Mm-hmm is is a way in which my my brain gets a bit of healing mm-hmm. in that moment mm-hmm. from its busyness. Okay. And I and I would say that's that's pretty significant with the eastern practices. That's pretty consistent with the eastern practices of Christianity. That's not like mm-hmm. um that's not unusual. That's yes. not a remix of the faith. We are told to be still and to know that God is yes. God. Yes. We are told to meditate on the word. So another another thing that a person can do is they can literally meditate on scripture. Now we think about we're studying scripture, we're reading scripture, but I would invite meditate. people to actually meditate mm-hmm. scripture, mm-hmm. to play the words over and over again, to take deep breaths in between each of those. And this is also a way to have a kind of trauma-informed way Maybe of moving Maybe even record scripture. yourself reading it. Sure. And then playing it back. Right? Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, or listen to Get in the Word with You Tuesday. could. That's another and we podcast. Can pray over you at the end of the prayer. <laughs> after the end of every episode is a break. Stat, stat. Do that. all those things. Well, sometimes it's do sometimes all it's of those things. Yeah, um, yeah. What is there? I'm trying to think if there's anything. Prayer. Yeah, prayer is huge. Too. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, uh, now prayer ain't gonna heal all your trauma. You might God can do. It. Yeah. But I'm just saying. You know. You know. Prayer and therapy. These things are not opposed. You know? Sure. <laughs> yes. Get get what you need. Yeah. And get maybe I, I would say maybe having um some um some good people around you mm-hmm. that respect you, um, but that don't fear you yeah. and that they can tell you the truth. My they can hold up a mirror, you know, and tell you you're tripping, yeah. you know, or no, or that, that sounds, was wrong. Yeah. That sounds you're like not, pain speaking oh, instead yes. of your purpose or fear. speaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause good for that one. So tell me, <laughs> know the difference between your fear voice and your faith voice. <laughs> And I'd be like, okay, oh, I'll never, blah, 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 blah. I shall okay. never. Is that your faith voice or your fear voice? <laughs> I don't know. I ain't trying to think about that right now. That's not what you usually say. You usually play along. You're like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you're right. I, I, well, I have, I, because, I, because, I have to, because I have to deal with my own, like, very real anxiety, okay. I, have to, I have to, like... Do, do that. I have to do that all the time with myself, like filter, like, okay, was that, what, what was in that? Like, what is that all about? Yes. I'm feeling some kind of way. Why am yeah. I feeling this way right now? So <sighs> yeah. Looking within then, is scary stuff. Looking within. And even when we're praying, asking God to give us wisdom, mm-hmm. to give us insight, you know, mm-hmm. give us the discernment, the ability to see ourselves, yeah. you know, so that we can grow in self-awareness. You know, yeah. so I, I can identify a little, a little, a little bit more, a lot more Yeah, you know, about when I'm like, my anxiety is like, Taking over when mm-hmm. I start talking about never, ever, you know, yeah. like, I can't. Everything yeah. is black and white. Like there's always options, but that's trauma speaking. When everything is black and white, and it's like it's got to be this way or it can't be done, you know, yeah. like that. Because I can live into that. Yeah, you know, I can live into that. Well, I know we're we're about to wrap, but you know, I was I was sitting here thinking about just our topic in general, right? This um, <laughs> the podcasters gone yes. wild, right? Yeah. And. <laughs> And we have a number of men who listen to Truth's Table who have told us that, who have maybe even have repented in some ways indirectly yes, about yeah. about the ways in which they were socialized not to listen to women very well, not mm-hmm. to honor or their to listen voices, to them at all. Listen to them at all. Mm-hmm. And, and to learn from them and to sit with them in the ways that just even listening to the podcast has helped them to better yes. listen to the women in their lives and not see them as their purpose being <laughs> your purpose is something tied to my purpose Just alone. To serve right. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and I, and I, I came across, um, 
a post recently. I don't know how long it's been out there. I wish I knew the, the gentleman's name. He's a young, I'm saying young because he's definitely younger than me, young uh, black guy theologian type. And he has a post where, a, a post where he talks about uh, what it means that so many men do not like women. Now, by that, I don't mean in the sexuality standpoint. I mean, like, yeah. like them as people. Yeah. And and he would, and he started to talk about, you know, I, I like my wife. And I don't just like her because of stuff that she can do for me. Like, I like her laugh. I like what she jokes about. I like, um, I like to see her kind of handle business. I like, you know, and just all the things about her very personality and being that he enjoys. And I would want to challenge, particularly our male yeah. listeners and the male podcasters who are really kind of getting paid or getting their identity from these misandrous uh, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. podcasts, this anti-Black women podcast. Or misogynist. Misogynist, yes, exactly. I would want them to uh, reckon with to what extent they actually like, like women, women as people. Write it down. They what like do black like? women as do people. Do you like black women? Do yeah. you like women? There's a huge difference between liking that. someone's humanity and just enjoying them sexually or just wanting to use them yeah. as a mule. Object. But to actually, to actually, are there women who you like as people? <laughs> and as to me, that, that's a necessary element of maturity for men. And I, I mean, I think about being in early elementary school and, you know, people are like, you know, a boy would be like, oh, girls have cooties, right? So there's a very real socialization process for men uh, to not like, like women. women. That's true. That there's something wrong with men who mm-hmm. like women mm-hmm. as people. Mm-hmm. And the consequences of that are so devastating. Mm-hmm. It is all mm-hmm. over. And this is not just uniquely black men. This is men mm-hmm. across the board mm-hmm. in our culture. Um, but there is so much freedom in in learning to like and to enjoy That's right. <laughs> half of the human population, you know, it, it's, it's, an, it's an important thing. Kind of so I just important. wanted to kind of end, that's end yeah. on that note. That, and, that's and, and, that, and that's the case. I would prompt our sisters to do the same too. Oh yeah. As we do this series, uh, are we able to, to agree with God about God's good, good design, design of yes. creating, <laughs> creating men yes. and, and liking them and that them not having to be women in order, not, not them having to be us. Be us. Yeah. And in us order feed to, them, yeah. In order to enjoy them. Exactly. Well, hmm. well, we want to thank y'all for taking a seat at the table with us this week. Let's keep the conversation going. Black brother, we love you. We do. But these podcasts got to stop. Come on. <laughs> Tweet us your thoughts. Share it on Facebook, Instagram. Or you can email us, because we know y'all got thoughts. You can email us at asktruestable at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on uh, iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Uh, we are the executive producers and hosts, Kemi Owen and Christina. We'll see you soon on the next Juice Table. Bye, y'all.